Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another scrumtralescent episode of Inspiration Point. I am Andrew. And I'm Adam. Got a I didn't I didn't like that adjective. That was too much. You got you gotta chill out, bro. What do you mean gotta <laughs> that a, chill out? That's a, that, that was a lot. Scrum Trelescent, man. You you remember uh the Will Farrell days of uh SNL when he did uh Inside the Actors Studio where he played Oh yeah, James, no, I can remember. He played James Lipton. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> he's, yeah, it's coming back now. He's interviewing Alec Baldwin, who's playing Charles Nelson Riley, and he is just fawning over him, and he's saying that there is not an adjective that exists that is potent enough to describe yeah. the work. <laughs> L- Lipton was always a little over the top <laughs> when in his praise and admiration, but I don't know, but far. That was, you know, so a dose of positivity. Maybe we could use these days. You are a blinding light from heaven. <laughs> they would bring it sometimes. Oh man, he's God. He was so freaking funny. I, I wish, I wish they'd have him on more. His, uh, he had some of the best characters. I love when he'd do Harry sure. Harry. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm sure I'm doing it horribly. So how was your week, Andrew? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I uh, just finished painting a uh, the D&D, uh, like the collector's edition um, or collector's series, something like that. Uh, Frost giant skeleton. Um, I finished painting it up and got it looking all good. And I kid you not three minutes before I hopped in the discord to, to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I bump the mini with my elbow and it falls off my desk and it's arms snapped off. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. He's, an armless amputee skeleton now. I was like, <laughs> no. I assume it's fixable, super glue. Is yeah. it like a, a clean break or did it like cut in pieces? No, they're, they, the arms just snapped right off right after the, the pauldrons. So yeah. I should be able to glue them back. I was a little ticked because. Uh, the one that's holding the axe that drags behind him. I actually bothered to pin that arm where I drilled a tiny hole into mm. like the socket where the arm would go and the arm itself. And I super glued an actual little like piece of wire in there and it was holding perfectly. It was, I didn't even realize like it could still break out. And, but man, that thing, I guess it just hit the floor just the right way where. The arms on both sides snapped off. I was like, how does that even, I don't know. Physics was yeah. uh, not being kind to me. And, well, uh, you know, you know, this is why I, you put a lot of effort into your, your paintings. Like you spend a lot of time on each and every one. I like, I, I'm the opposite. I did like one and a half paintings this uh, last uh, weekend. And mm-hmm. boy, that, that troll I made. Man, that just sucked. <laughs> it's just <laughs> awful. 
just really a, a shoddy job. Shoddy workmanship. And, and I made an ogre and it was like, it is fine. It is fine. Fine. You gotta take your time, man. Put the love in. That's that's yeah. you know, it is after all the secret ingredient. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. true. Not that's so fond of it now. <laughs> I saw that um that magnifying glass that you got. I need to get me one of those because I it's just not so easy to look at those little uh details anymore. It I and my eyes are pretty good, but man, there there are some spots on this thing where oh man, you know, I I will say though, the the thing that has been the the most helpful for me hasn't even really been the magnifying glass i uh, honestly i haven't even really used the magnifying glass on the lamp yet it's it's the lamp itself having really good strong broad uh white light is super super helpful and it's it's amazing how bad a lot of our general lighting really is, especially if you're trying to do anything that's like detail oriented, like ceiling lights are trash for mini painting. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, it's really bad. Yeah, You definitely need like a lot of light to help out and, and to help you focus on it. But man, I, I got my, my wife going on it. Cause I was like, this would be a fun thing for all of us to do. Oh yeah. Uh, and she started painting and she's, I gave her like a Yanti Malzen mm -hmm. to to work on, and it's the type that has the long uh, serpent tail. Forgive me for not knowing what number that is, but um, I want to say two. But anyway, he the cool one. He's got like the ser the serpentine body with like the human torso and head. Yeah, and the only Yanti uh, that matters. Yeah, it's the one I like. Um, anyway, we my daughter has a pet uh corn snake. And so my Ooh. wife started painting it in the same pattern it has like kind of an orange red cool. uh, scale color with like a white underbelly. Nice. And uh, she like brought the snake out and like was like looking at it for reference. And oh, see, uh, that's what you should be doing. <laughs> I know she's well, I knew she'd be better at it than me. I mean, she's got a more steady hand. She's more patient. Wow. Um, you know, she's. When it comes to all the like arts and crafts and stuff, like she does a really fantastic job. I, I draw pictures. I can, you know, make a, you know, buff guy look pretty cool, I guess, but she can do, um, any of the art that people care about, you know, decorate cakes, <laughs> you know, um, you know, stuff that people actually enjoy. <laughs> oh man, it's, it's just about the audience. You know, if you throw your stuff up on the, on the 5e group, you get people drooling all over the place. Uh, not my work. Nope. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's okay. Oh, that's very um, humble of you to say. <laughs> I've seen your stuff. Every now and then I, every now and then I get one. There you but go. But anyway. How about um, you? What have you been up to? Well, you know, I've been enjoying doing a little bit of painting. I've been enjoying doing my little grid-based uh, dungeons. Those are looking they, cool. We're getting a, a little bit better at that. I made a new one today that I should post a little bit later. And Nice. Um, yeah, and other than that, I've been trying to do stuff uh, with my students for both club and, and for the class I'm doing about D&D &D and um, 
Yeah, it's just been going great. The kids have been really taking to it. We've had to learn a few lessons about things that we've covered in the show. Mm. Uh, we've had some of the, some of the classic trope problems, you might say. Really? Yeah. For instance, we had one player, you know, try to just cause chaos in his mm. group, and he wanted to like burn down the house they were in, and you know, maybe try to get everybody killed because he thought it was funny, <sighs> you know. But like, so we had to learn about basic stuff. Like we, it's okay to have fun and and to even cause a little chaos, but you just can't have it at other players expense. And how did that, how did that go over? Well, I, you know, I talked to the GM today and he said that, you know, he kind of reestablished what the rules and expectations were and very good undid, um, what the other player had, had said. By, he explained explained it away through brain damage and a hallucination, <laughs> and uh, and I was like, "Wow, that's pretty clever." And uh, I think it'll be fine. So that's good. I mean, so long know, like, as the player, as the the player who caused the the craziness, is like, so long as they get it and are like, oh, "Okay, I I well, see." I, I feel like a lot of new players have this have this thing you know what i mean like mm. it, in an, every open world rpg at some point you just go on the murder spree just to see yeah you, just to like limit test you just start you know shooting random people you kill guards <laughs> whatever it is go and then, see like, how, usually you, how bonkers you, you get, can like go. yeah exactly and, and like eventually the guards just pile on infinitely and you eventually die yeah um i've done that with cyberpunk you, like crazy you reload the game yeah yeah exactly Yeah, cyberpunk well especially there because you're like you walk by the police and they like attack you mm-hmm. um well I, I used to do it on fable all the time oh sure um skyrim yeah. uh particularly in that one side quest you do and i want to say mark hearth when uh you're trying to like uncover the conspiracy that's going on and Ooh. All the guards just start coming at you and you're supposed to like essentially give up and let them take you to jail. <laughs> but, you know, of course, I'm like, I'm the dragonborn dude, you know, on. and then you, you just start creating a giant pile of like guard corpses, especially <laughs> if you don't start this thing till like you're like at a level 18, level 20, something like that. Oh my you're God. just basically unstoppable already. <laughs> You just drag, but then the game just breaks like big pile. Like you're just not going to get the quest at that point. You just cart so, them over to a mountain and just start throwing the bodies down the hillside, just dump them down, see if you can but go bowling. Anyway, that kind of like behavior kind of translates sometimes into the game. You know, like oh, I can do anything in this world. Anything. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like wait, now you're ma- you asked me again. Now I'm nervous, right? Right, <laughs> and, uh, right. Yeah, I can remember having players in the past, like, say, oh, I want to, especially like people that play rogues will often try to sneak off on their own and, and maybe take something from the other players. Oh my God. Steal stuff from NPCs. And it just sort of interrupts the game. You do not get to steal things from the party. Yeah. That's that's very obnoxious when that happens. Stop. That's a jerk move. Don't be that guy. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, if it's like a a plot device item, sure, you know, I I could see a specific situation where it could be interesting. But don't just like try to steal wealth and say, "Well, I'm a rogue." Ha ha! Now you wake up and your gold is gone, but I'm rich now. Ha 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 ha! 
uh, I am so clever. Right. Like, you know, it's just actually kind of obnoxious. So it's, but it's a thing we all have to learn and, and go, okay, just because my character can do things doesn't mean I necessarily should do them. Well, it's just like in real life, right? I could, I could go to the grocery store and punch every single person I see. And chances are a lot of them wouldn't even think to do anything. They'd be just so shocked by it that like, you might even get away with it. You could do it, but you don't because you're not a maniac. I don't know. I kind of feel like everybody's like on edge these days and has like had it up to here with COVID and stuff. And like, they're just ready to yeah. punch anyone for any reason. They just snap. Like you, you go in and snap. start smacking people. And there's that one guy who's like, yes, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> like, Give me a just reason. The, the, the sweet old lady who's just like, now finally I can take out all my frustration. Yeah, she keeps that rolling pin or a brick in her in her purse. It's got a right? horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Could you imagine? Just lets you have it. Just sweet little Betty White just goes to town <laughs> on your face with a horseshoe. It's like the <laughs> like the old lady from Madagascar, you know? Oh my goodness. <sighs> It, so anyway, uh, it was, it's been really good though. Overall, the kids are kind of getting used to, uh, the pace of things and, and, mm. and some of those expectations. We actually sat down and had a big talk about expectations, um, nice last week. And I, uh, yeah. How'd, how'd that go? Yeah. I think it was relieving for some people. Like you could tell as I was asking them questions and saying like, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Like it was almost like a therapy session. They started hmm. like getting stuff off their chest, right? A little really? bit. Yeah. Cause you know, they were already starting to feel like, cause okay. Some of the common problems that players do, right. And we'll have you add some stuff too, but yeah, like one common problem is let's say hogging. Oh yeah. Right? Just like when you're on the playground, someone kids a ball hog, right? They don't pass. Yeah. Right? It becomes all about them. That's very obnoxious. Yeah. Um, I had kids complain. Like one of my GMs came up and said, um, how can I get the guys at my table to stop using their phones during the game? Because it kind of oh, makes me feel bad. Jeez. And I was like, it should absolutely make you feel bad. And they should absolutely not do that. And because that's absolutely rude. Yeah, exactly. Um, Don't do I that. will address that. And also, they're not supposed to have their phones out anyway. We're in class. Put your freaking so, phones away. That I was, then we had the, the conversation about, um, well, I didn't even like threaten to like take them. Mm-hmm. It was, I just wanted it to be about like, Hey, like there's a person sitting there. This isn't your computer game. Yeah. You know, there's like a human being who like put in effort yep. to entertain you mm-hmm. and you're on your phone. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, disres- it's disrespectful. Don't I tried to that. I tried to appeal to their emotions a little bit and I think it worked out okay. It was better today. Good. And I mean, um, you know, when you put it that yeah. way and and you know, you're not deliberately accusatory, you're not singling people out. You're just like, "Hey, you know, let's be cool." Like, you know, you don't have to be some kind of uh, you know, genius when it comes to emotional insight to realize like, "Oh, uh I I maybe should focus up yeah, and I, and I try to encourage them, like, I know sometimes these terms can go long or mm-hmm. 
you know, you're not sure what to do when it's not your turn. And but, you know, this is where you need to start, like taking responsibility for your own happiness in this yep. game and your own enjoyment. And, you know, what can you start asking yourself? What can I add to yep. this situation? Yep. Um, what are some other sort of like new player tropes that you've seen where like, you know, some issues that often need to be ironed out? Oh, man. I mean, I'll let you get that ball rolling. But like one thing is obviously is rules, right? Yeah. You know, just I, I'm really surprised how many times I have to explain how to make an attack roll or a skill check. Yeah. Because it's really not complicated. Right. But I don't uh, keep trying, I guess. I you guess got to give them to understand like that word proficiency. And one thing I noticed uh, playing with my 10 year old. Mm hmm. Is that she was getting frustrated, um, trying to read the book. Yeah. Because every other word she didn't know. Mm. Like, I didn't realize how much vocabulary is really in here. Yeah. Um, but like a word like proficiency, you know, yeah, even by itself. It's like, how often does that come up in, uh, everyday <laughs> in life? Kids' conversations these days. Oh, seriously. Right? You know, yeah. Not too often. There's, yeah. That's a really good point. And I, I hadn't considered, I mean, especially the fact that like I almost all I do nowadays is freaking right. So words for me are typically like not a big issue at all. And it never would have occurred to me like that somebody getting into the game could crack open the player's handbook and go, I literally just don't know what this is trying to tell me. Combine that with, you know, dealing with some of the students that don't have very good vocabularies have, mm. you know, haven't learned a lot at their various junior highs mm. or, you know, perhaps have language barrier issues. Right. right. I didn't get, um, I didn't get it in, in Spanish or other languages. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, a lot of that can be understandable. Having said that, I would highly encourage people to look these words up and yeah. to get to know them. You they, can, you know, if the game is difficult in a way, good, right? Rise to that challenge and allow it to teach you things. It's fun to learn words. It's fun to learn history and, and, the, and culture and the way things were, were done in the past, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, the more you're willing to learn in the beginning and spend time, the faster that's going to go because there'll be less and less to have to pick up as you continue. Right. Yeah. I, th I think when it comes to, to new players, oh, man, it's, it's been a long time since I've run into completely fresh players. Um, you know, maybe anything you can remember from, you know, some of those early days at the club, you know, some yeah. of the things that maybe annoyed you or maybe things that you felt you had to change about yourself. Yeah. I mean, learning how to start it. I remember our, our episode on party talk mm -hmm. and yeah. the, the general concept of interacting with the other PCs and not uh keeping your gameplay experience relegated to what's the dm giving me and yeah. just responding to the gm um and and this is something that i i will probably talk about a bit tonight too um but oh i should engage with 
the other PCs on my own. I, I shouldn't necessarily wait for the GM to like prompt me to do that. Like these are, these are people that in the game I am adventuring with. We're, we're going out. We're traveling the countryside. We're going into these dangerous situations. We're probably staying at the same inn or tavern or what have you, or we're camping together. Like imagine doing any of this stuff with your friends and, and literally not talking to your friends at all, apart from maybe when you get into a life or death fight. Like, it's ridiculous, completely. Like, well, you know, here's the other thing. You know, I I have never served in the military, mm -hmm. uh, but my my grandfather was in World War II. Yep. And, you know, he would talk about his buddies. I think I went on one or two camping trips where he had a buddy that was along. And, you know, there was this understanding that that was his war buddy and that was a big deal, right? You know? Oh, yeah. they, They had been through hell together. Yeah. You know, and that had had brought them together. But it's it can be hard, you know, to kind of get in that that headspace. I mean, I don't want to get too dramatic up front. Right. Like mm-hmm. you haven't been to war. You haven't been through hell. You were, are playing a game together, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, you do have to try to, I don't know, role play and, and, and right. imagine that that is is happening. And uh, I'll I'll use, you know, our session from last night is a good illustration, mm-hmm. of that. you know, where you really go through. A lot of suffering and you're worried about, you know, each other dying mm-hmm. and then growing closer as a result of it. So just to kind of set the stage a little bit from for the audience, like, you know, if you've been listening to this before, you know, Andrew's running Curse of Strahd and his gimmick going into it was that uh, we would all be members of a family, uh, a mother and a father and children. Uh, of course, the children are all adult age, so mm-hmm. it doesn't get too complicated. So anyway, we all had this sort of complicated relationship going into it because my character arc is all about a father who is basically not a great guy, but he's trying to do better. Mm. Uh, but no one really has any reason to trust him. And everybody else has kind of ha- has damage because of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, the, we, we, you know, care about each other already because we're relatives and, you know, even though we have complicated relationships, you know, it's, it's all still there, right? Families all have, are, are this way, right? They're complicated and messy, but it's all baked in. Yeah. It's all baked in. Well, last night, Andrew decides to essentially go for a TPK more or less and, um, <laughs> you know, attacks us with, all the wolves ever. Hey, to be fair, and that encounter lasted like two sessions. <laughs> well, it, yeah, kind of. <laughs> it, it was a lo- really long encounter, and uh, yeah. and the dice helped extend that encounter uh, quite a bit. It was they were really unkind dice for the most part. That depends on what there part f- of the table you're sitting on. <laughs> I guess. Well, even the wolves were missing a lot. Actually, no, they they were they disappointed um, so i ended up going a long time but anyway at at every point in the evening we had all gone down at some point sometimes more than once i went down twice i think i think all of you went down at least twice some of you three times but never all of you at the same time right that would have been the end of the evening essentially right. and uh we barely pulled it out i i didn't think that 
we were supposed to win. Um, win is probably still a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got out alive. That's a win. But we got out. But the, the main thing that was important was that we had a chance to kind of show instead of tell how mm. our characters, you know, had empathy and a desire to protect one another and to change and, and be different. And I think mm. it really paid off. Those, I got to say, those moments that you guys had right after the fight, when you were all kind of processing and assessing the damage and looking at what you lost and all that stuff and the interactions that you guys had between one another may be some of the top moments that I've experienced in RPGs in general. Like mm-hmm. it was some of it was very deep, very heartfelt. And like, I feel like I had to give you guys a little bit of a nudge at first, but once you guys kind of got going, you all started kind of riffing off of each other and it turned into this beautiful, somber scene that was just it, it was and I, I told you guys this in kind of our after session sort of postmortem um, that it was it was the first time that I felt like I really felt the family dynamic actually come out and sort of pull everyone together where it didn't well, feel it was- like a bunch of individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, we, we went into it with this idea of, well, we want to have a complicated family relationship. Right. And you were kind of like, I'm not sure how I like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, but Chris and I definitely had this idea of of this arc we wanted to go through. And mm-hmm. and and so, you know, like, he and I were on the same page the mm-hmm. whole time. But that also made it difficult in the beginning because we had to have that sort of conflict up front. Right. And and I think that in the end, it ended up making that scene a little stronger. Yeah. Um, and especially the the resolution afterwards. Uh, you know, it was a big payoff moment. But man, they, you, you, that does require people that know what they're doing and have been doing it a while. Right. And understand some of these tropes and, and can recognize these moments when they happen. There wasn't a lot of like endless dialogue either. Right. We can tend to over explain ourselves in role playing games. Um, there was a lot of illustration, mm-hmm. which was really good. And, and you could, you could see the movie kind of opening up. Yeah. And, and yeah. Once that, once we all got into that headspace. Yeah. It really started to to come together and to really sing. So it was a great game and it was a good job by the players. And of course you did a fantastic job. Oh, thanks. um, Get, getting that all set up and and prodding us along. It was, it was something else. Um, I, I knew that, that, that encounter when I was setting it up, I was like, this is going to be brutal on a special kind of level. Um, but in a campaign like Strahd, I mean, it's, it was certainly a point where it felt like it really kind of finally put the fear of God in the party. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, having that, that fear is, is really necessary Mm. in in setting that up. But 
You also, I think even more importantly, maybe not more importantly, but also very importantly, is to exercise a healthy amount of sincerity mm. and be, being able to like use vulnerability yes. to allow that in yourself. Because I think, and I do this sometimes, but the the knee-jerk reaction, I think, is that that sort of vulnerability and emotion is uncomfortable. Yeah. So we we need jerk want to tell a joke yep make it light you know create that relief um and maybe there's a tasteful way to do that but for the most part you know we we can ruin those moments actually yeah, you take the steam out of it yeah you really can and and i saw like a video i say a few years ago about this uh where this person was critiquing the the marvel cinematic universe i can't remember if it was lessons from the screenplay or if it was like film joy or, or what it was, it was one of those. And uh, they were talking about this concept called bathos mm-hmm. and, and bathos, uh, you know, is what you apply when you want to diffuse an emotional situation. Mm-hmm. So they were, so for instance, in guardians of the galaxy, you often see this, this thing where the, the team, they're all standing up, they're all committed to the cause. And then rocket gets up and, says now we're all standing in a circle bunch of jack right now it kind of works in 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 guardians of the galaxy because it's a comedy film Mm -hmm. you know but we see it in other places like dr strange where like the um the cape is like getting in his face yeah at the at the moment he's like suited up and ready to like accept his role right um and there's there's other times in other movies where they do similar things. And sometimes it can be a bit obnoxious. You know, a lot of people had different responses to Thor Ragnarok, right? Mm-hmm. People really enjoyed it, but it also kind of takes the piss out of Thor in a lot of ways. And right. And in a way where it, it sometimes felt like too much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as as players, we get into this this sort of mode and then we um yeah we just want to tell a joke or or make light of it or not role play fear and that was something that you were really concerned about mm. was hey you guys are really being a little brave in right. the face of this stuff and you know that's not like real bravery right mm-hmm. we need to be able to exercise a type of bravery as players where we're willing to sort of open up our hearts to each other right yeah now, that's a lot better than just saying you see a scary wolf and then go, well, I'm not scared. Right. Yeah. Right. That's just sort of flat and lame. Yeah. And I, I've tried very hard to avoid saying like, Ooh, this is scary. Like you telling someone something scary this, this doesn't work at all. And well, yeah, we, we had a whole episode about that yes, one. Yes, we did. But yeah, being able to describe those those situations was was is very good. Yeah, and I think uh, another thing that uh, relates very closely to that is you know doing this kind of stuff, having these big character moments. You know, it can require you know knowing at least a little bit about what you're doing, having some experience and stuff. But it also requires having a lot of faith and trust in your GM and faith and trust in your fellow players. Cause like you and the, uh, player who is playing your wife in the game, our buddy, um, you know, you guys are RPing this kind of sensitive, 
a couple relationship. Um, and you know, obviously we don't, uh, play out any, um, sexual situations or anything that gets dicey that sort of way. But you guys are trying to deal with, um, themes that lean into intimacy and closeness and that sort of connection. And you're playing with that relationship between the two characters and you're driving that. And between two players who are either inexperienced or players who maybe are not very familiar with one another or that sort of thing, trying to pull that off would likely at best be uncomfortable if not impossible to to really pull off well but you guys did do it very well and the fact that you guys have had planned it out and discussed it ahead of time out of game and gone okay we've got these characters what do we want to do with them how do we want to kind of space this out what are the beats we want to hit and to be clear, a lot of that was still very general, right? Like sure. in our in our pre-planning phase, it was like, okay, our relationship is generally like this. Here's the backstory. Here's kind of where I want to go. Right. Um, but we don't plan out moments, right? Yeah. You know, like we didn't get together and say, okay, in this quiet moment, you know, uh, Willow finally reaches out to Jasper. Mm-hmm. You know, that was... That was just him going, okay, here's what she does. Here's the moment. And then me going, well, here's what I do. Yep. Um, but and you it guys- was very quiet and very subtle. So it didn't have to get anywhere uncomfortable. I don't right. think <laughs> Jasper's earned that much favor yet. <laughs> but, um, you know, but it was a good step in the right direction. So it really was. I um, mean, it just, it just amounted to Willow basically just getting close to Jasper and basically just putting an arm around him. Um, yep. And which was a huge moment. Like if you know those characters, it, right? Like if you understand that, I mean, their relationship was all but dead. Yeah. You know, it, and, and to breathe a little life into it was, was very meaningful. It really was. And I, I loved your response to it. Like when, when our buddy had, uh, well, you said his name already. We'll put him out there. Chris, when he, had willow do that your response as jasper was to at first be like kind of startled like what the heck and then you like cut yourself off on purpose and had jasper like kind of lean into it and embrace the moment and it was really sweet and very well done and it was this really nice quiet touching moment as as you guys are basically watching a funeral pyre mm-hmm. for someone that Not basically it literally no, is yes, a funeral yes, pyre. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it literally was. And it was it literally was, but you know, it in a in a way it's I, I don't know if romantic's the right word, but it was definitely a a a, a solemn and yeah, I think the word is intimate moment. Yeah. So that was that was really powerful stuff and and that's where it's moments like that they can really make this hobby sing and you know like not every game's going to be like that and that's not necessarily what your game has to be right. but it is um achievable let's say yes as a, as a goal yes you know and i think that both he and i sort of fancy ourselves as like pseudo writers and would like to say that we think about things like character arcs and yeah um and that sort of thing and that's where we want to go yeah. So that it's, was, it was really strong to do that. 
I'm I'm glad that uh, that you guys were able to have that kind of moment. And and you know, for whatever it's worth, I hope that anyone else listening to this, um, if you haven't had a moment like that in your own games and you want to, you uh you can do that. Um and it you know it can take some guts, but if you're with a solid group of people that you trust, um, you can have some moments that are very special. Um, yeah. Now let's let, let me get into kind of the other topic I wanted to chat about. Sure. Um, which also can it came up a little bit last night. It wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this idea of turn pacing mm-hmm. um, was something that I was definitely a little bit. I think it. I think it got to a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were definitely moments where things went wrong. So the, the main extremes, I would say just to kind of set the stage a little bit, it's like, we want to have fun in combat. We also want to, you know, be able to contribute to that story during combat. Mm-hmm. Um, the main extremes would be I roll, uh, I, okay. I got a 16. Does it hit? Yes. I did four damage. Okay. Next turn. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Right. So. <laughs> So that sucks because it's empty, right? Yeah. Um, the other extreme is every turn takes 15 minutes because we have to deliver a Shakespearean monologue to describe how I got to four damage. Right. Right. And so, okay, those are both, of course, ridiculous and, and not at all what was happening either way. Right. Okay. But there was a moment in the beginning uh, where, and I hope I didn't come off as too big of a jerk here. I just, I did kind of feel bad about it, but I was just like, okay, this turn with all of its description has taken a uh, more time than like, I don't know what the time limit is, but we're past it. Um, You know, we had, we had described uh, in, you know, in a role play fashion, what had, what had happened. There were questions asked about what was happening. Those were described in a dramatic way. And then a second part of the action, I think there was like an action and a bonus action that occurred. And that was supposed to be described. And I was just like, okay, listen, we are on round one, <laughs> you know, like first turn. And we're like five minutes in, you know, this is, uh, this is a little silly. Mm-hmm. So what I want to get into a little bit is how do we, how do we set up that pacing? What should a turn in Dungeons and Dragons combat or, or any other game, uh, that has combat in it? How should that look? Mm. And, um, how quickly should that run? So I, I guess just offhand, if you were to give a turn an ideal time and perhaps also a time limit, what would that look like to you? I wish I had an easy answer for this because I feel like there can be. Well, <laughs> to me, it's, it's strongly dependent on on a couple things um one it's dependent on your on the gm's running style and the kind of game that that they are running and how they want to do things um okay because if you're the kind of gm where you're like hey in combat it's all about numbers just wham bam let's get this done then you know, if, if your turn is more than a minute, it's too long. Like you just have your move ready, do what you're going to do, give the information and get done. But Mm -hmm. on the flip side, if it's a very narrative kind of game, then sometimes 
things can get long and that I don't think that that's necessarily. Are you saying that you think that there is a not too long like that? That's I mean, I guess it's all subjective, right? I mean, you can have fun at your table however you want to have fun, right? That's fine. But can we say that here's some general advice? In general, I would say try to get your turn done in about two minutes. I think that sounds fair. That gives you some room to throw your dice, gives you some room to tally things up, and you got about another minute where you can illustrate a little bit. And by the time everyone's done kind of going, you know, give the DM a moment to subtract hit points, yada, 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 move on. Okay. Um, I think two minutes is a little long, to be honest. Um, maybe a lot of it. Uh, two minutes, like, okay, so I, I like to watch people play, like, fighting games. Mm-hmm. Unlike, like, pros wa- play fighting games like Street Fighter or whatever. Usually you're talking about an entire two to three round match in about two minutes. That's a bit long. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe we could test it out, right? So let's say I'm going to give you a situation. All right. All right. All right. Let's roll. Let's role play this out. All right. So let's say that you have a bonus of basically plus five on something you're good at and a plus two bonus to something you're like fine at. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, come up with a character idea real quick in your head. Right. OK. All right. You got it. Yep. OK. So you uh, are traveling along a road and you are stopped by bandits. OK. The see, I already I already misplayed that. I shouldn't have said they you see bandits. They should have described how they looked and stuff. Whatever. Let's skip to it. The bandits show up. They block you on the road and they attack you. Mm. All right. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of banter, but ultimately we roll initiative. Uh, they want to get your gold. They want to um, steal from you and get out. Okay. So this bandit looks at you and he says, "Oi, give me all the gold in your pockets, your rings, your valuables, everything else you got." Just hand it over. All right. So before you respond, let's look at the clock. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yep. Hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna start a timer on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how let's see how long this goes. All right. All right. Uh, all right. I'm gonna hit stopwatch. All right. Ready? Go. All right. Well. All right. Hold on a second. I reach into my pocket and I dig around. And as my hand is in my pocket, I clench it into a fist and I pull it out and I go, look what I found. And I punch him in the throat and I All right, go ahead and make an attack roll. All right. I roll my D 20. I get a 14 and I add five. So 19 total. All right. You punch this guy hard. It, he, you know, you get the sense that he was actually a little curious about what was in your pocket <laughs> and you clock him across the jaw and a tooth goes flying. He bends back reeling slightly and then he, Slowly moves forward. <sighs> Spitz. Now I think you made a real mistake there, love. All right. Next turn. So that was about a minute. All right. So I think, I think a, a minute was pretty good. I don't think that was too much. There was a little bit of dialogue. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of back and forth. We rolled some dice. I don't think you really rolled. <laughs> Hell no, I didn't roll. You kidding me? <laughs> He's it's like, I got a 19. I'm like, bull. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, no, that's totally great. Okay. Yeah, I didn't didn't need you to. Mm. Okay, so that was about a minute. I think that was a pretty good turn. All right. What 
what for me worked about this and, and I'll, I'll, you know, say what you want to say too, but I think what worked about it is there was role playing, there was dialogue, but when it came to the technical part, you knew what to do. You knew how to play your character, right? You rolled the die sort of, and then you gave me the total. Then I described what happened in a way that was, you know, again, added to that narrative story and pacing, and then it was done. Yeah. Right. right. So some things that might end up extending this are a little bit of indecisiveness. Mm-hmm. There could be, okay, well, what do you want to do for your move action? Yeah. Do you have any bonus actions that you would like to apply? Uh, measuring could be a thing that could be a, an issue. And if we do all of that, then we probably do get closer to that two minute mark. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we should try to avoid that where possible. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to, though. Here's my kind of, I guess, view. I think part of the problem is in fundamentally how people seem to to approach their turns, where it's almost like a checklist. Like, okay, I need to use my standard action. I need to use my move action. I need to use my bonus action. So you start going mm-hmm. down the list. Okay, I'm going to do this. And now I need to use this for something. And now I need to use this for something. Instead of going, okay, I want to do this general thing. I need to just make sure that that can fit within the bounds set by what I'm capable of with my standard move and bonus action. So the scenario presented to me was this bandit is coming at me saying that he wants my valuables. I go, I'm going to freaking knock this dude out. That is what needs to be accomplished this turn. If my, if what I wanted to do was like, I want to, you know, climb up the tree and like body slam the guy or whatever. Maybe I need to think about, you know, my movement budget. And if I want to do something kind of special, then can my bonus action accommodate that thing? It's more like looking at the actions you have available to you as a resource pool that you can pull from to accomplish a task that you imagine. If you don't need to use all the things available to you on your turn, you don't have to. Do the thing that you want to do, if you can, and be done. Yeah, but I think it's also about just understanding to take care of those things on your turn. like Because a lot of times I find that I have to prompt people mm-hmm. or I move on. And and I don't like it if I say, okay, what do you do? And then they say, I attack. And then we roll and then they do it. Then I go, okay, great. Next turn. And then they go, wait, I want to move. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, now I try, because I try to give time for that. So what ends up ha- happening sometimes is I'll say, do you want to move? Mm-hmm. And then what I don't like is when they feel like they've just pulled up to the line at Burger King. Yep. And this is the first time they're looking at the menu. Yep. Right. And they're just like, I'm um, going to have, um, I think I'll move three inches this way. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Which is especially in a situation where it's really crucial. I could see a turn getting a little longer, but at the same time, like let's try to know all the menu items, know what you're going to drink know what meal you want, know whether or not you want fries. Yeah. And right? I mean, we've, we've hashed that out on, on a past episode too. Like, sure. You know, 
And also just knowing how your abilities work. Yeah. Try, try to be ready on your turn. At the same time, I try to give some grace because frankly, some people are just more indecisive than others. And on top of that, I know that for myself, when I'm running, you know, I'm trying to wrangle all these different windows. I'm trying to think, okay, this guy's doing this. So what, how is everything going to respond? And sometimes my brain can just get really bogged down where it'll take longer than I would like it to take. Or the player may have flavored things, but they may not have actually included a piece of information that I was maybe looking for and forgot to ask for or that sort of stuff. So, you know, there are times where, at least for myself, where I might need to recover or go, hey, could you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, And, you know, for for what it's worth, um, I do think that if things are taking a little long, it's okay to maybe mention it just don't be a jerk about it, you know? Sure. And yeah, of course, because everybody's trying, nobody's trying to delay the game. Nobody's trying. Don't start like fake snoring on Mike, right? Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't freaking do that. Right. That would be very obnoxious, but you know, it's, it is a thing where I think there are moments where a little bit longer on the role play stuff is totally warranted, right? Mm-hmm. Like in a big, crucial, climatic moment or a, a time of real anxiety and and suspense, it could totally be called for to get a little bit more in. Right. So but that's where I would say the two minutes is the absolute ceiling. <laughs> sure. Right? Like sometimes you just got to move on. And I think that as a GM, we also have to pick our battles. Mm-hmm. When it comes to short turn versus long turn, and there should be obviously more short short turns than long turns, I would say typically because when everyone's special, no one is right. Right, and like I think if we want those big moments to really land, we have to be able to let other other moments frame them, right, and build them up and set them up for that big payoff moment at the end. Also, we can get a little bit carried away sometimes, and we have to remember that. While we are going off, you know, we've got several people who are not directly engaging. Right. Now, they may be listening and they may even be very interested in what you're in what you're talking about and describing, but they're not doing anything other than listening. Right. And so we have to be able to to count on their patience, but also to get to them uh, without it feeling rushed. And I know that that like you and I are almost on opposite sides of the spectrum here. Right. Where sometimes I can go, all right, go, 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 go. And I've had players tell me that sometimes I make them feel rushed. Mm. And I think sometimes you see that picture in your mind Mm. and you are painting it and we are watching you paint it. Mm. And uh, boy, this is a detailed painting. Mm. And what were we doing? (laughs) So, and I mean, that is a compliment mostly, right? (laughs) Like, you really know how to to nail those feelings and emotions, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes the, the game's got to go. <laughs> I mean, do you think it'd be unfair? I think that I would. I would partly disagree. Partly, okay. Um, Let's hear. It. I first, I, I'll first, I'll say this because I think 
ultimately for anyone who's like wondering, okay, so what the heck do I actually do about pacing within my group? Because frankly, you know, whether or not we say a turn should be a minute, a turn should be two minutes. You might be sitting there going, that's perfect. You might think that it's too short or too long. Your preferences are your preferences and whatever you think is good is good. But I think that what this partly comes down to is like we talked about last week, setting expectations, making sure that Mm -hmm. everybody in the game is on the same page. This means that you've got two things. You've got communication, which means you're helping turns move quickly and the player should have a clear picture of the situation that they are in. So the GM's job is once it gets to a player's turn, you paint the picture for them quickly, not illustrating, but you're giving them a rundown of the situation that they're in so that they have cues to go off of. If it gets to someone's turn and just like, all right, Frank, go. They, they might go, hmm, or, you know, you want to give them a, a jumping off point. All right. So-and-so is about to get hit by this guy with an axe. And this person over here, your buddy is trapped in a, in a net or whatever. What are you going to do? Oh, okay. I've got a few things that I can at least use to help me make my decision. And then once they make their decision, you narrate that result and use that narration as the cue that will move you into whoever's next in initiative. And you keep that flow going. Number two, Mm -hmm. signals. You want to set down some simple guidelines to signal when you've finished your turn or parameters like time limits where the GM is free to move on if the parameters are met, such as that like is really five, like five seconds of silence. Like if you're quiet for more than five seconds, I am moving on and do not say, oh, but but I want to move. Sorry, we're, right, we're moving sure. on. Unless the reason you paused is because you're uh, breaking down in an emotional moment, Andrew. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, I, that's your own fault for being weak. Hey, is your no, mic on? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so yeah, no, that's really great. Um, I, you know, being able to say, uh, that is uh, the end of my turn or just like bringing the inflection of your, um sentence to what feels like a period yes would would be very nice and then i strike him in the face and shake my fist a little bit uh from the painful impact against his jawline and i take a ready stance for the next assault right right that's it i think to me that's a signal right or i mean for for myself whenever whenever i take a turn you usually say end of turn yeah I'll usually like say, and I'm done. Yeah. Or, you know, that's it for me or that's me, you know, whatever. It can be a little offhand comment. Just, yeah. you know, family guy did a whole bit about this back in the day. Brian, can you hear me over? You know, and it's, it's like using the walkie talkie, you know, when you're done talking, you say over, <laughs> you say over, you know, if you're done, right. done, you say over and out. 
Yeah. There's clear guidelines of communication that are laid out so that people know what's going on and how it's going on. So it, it is obnoxious when you as a GM have to ask for that cue and, and maybe it, you just don't need to. Right. And this is, this is also something that you learn and grow into as your, as your group plays together. If you're a brand spanking new group, and especially if you are not only a new group, but if you have some players who are new to the hobby, don't expect to get this right. Don't expect to get it right probably for a while. You know, everyone is different and different people learn at different speeds. And sometimes that speed can be a bit frustrating. And you do yep. you do what you can to help them, but at the same time, have some grace have some class sure, and, of course. you know, be, be understanding because at the end of the day, everybody's here to have fun. And if somebody is struggling or if somebody's feeling pressured or if they're feeling kind of put on and like, I, I can't act this fast. Like that's, it's not fun. Not to mm-hmm. say that that person and what they're struggling with should just dominate the entire experience and that everyone else should have to sacrifice their own fun because of that. But there should be a bit of a meeting in the middle, at least. So how's that for a one to two minute turn? Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we, of course, break that rule in this show, right? Like we both take several minute turns, right? But at, at the same time, like just in that game, I think it's I think you're right to say that, you know, there isn't an absolute answer, but I think that it is generally good practice to try to keep, you know, these these couple rules like having that end signal. Yeah. Having, you know, knowledge of your abilities and skills, paying attention to the round as you come in, you know, during other people's turns, paying attention while it is their turn to what's happening, Mm -hmm. you know, come up to the drive through window knowing what number you want yep. and what kind of drink you like, yep. right? That is, it's just really nice for everyone else who's sitting in line. And I think that sometimes when we play this game, players, especially new ones, can come up to the window and feel like, well, everyone else gets to wait for me now, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being cognizant of of who's around. Well, but... But at the same time, we also don't want to make people feel like they're just being rushed and that Mm -hmm. they can't enjoy a moment and have fun. All I'm saying is analysis paralysis is a very real thing. And in a game, especially like D&D, but it depends on, you know, if you're playing other systems, there are simpler systems, so it's easier. There are crazier systems, too. Um, But there's some people who literally just have a difficult time functioning when there are a bunch of options available to them where they just have a difficult time processing. So be aware of that kind of stuff. If that's you, talk to your GM ahead of time and ask if they can help you maybe figure out some tricks or maybe using flashcards or something to help make your decision making simpler for you. Well, I think, you know, where you were talking about, you know, setting up that scenario before asking, what do you do? Mm -hmm. You know, you very clearly gave some option A, option B. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's typically all you need. Sure. Right. So, um, let's, you know, speaking of pacing though, we are at about our time and, uh, I've got one more sure. quick tip. If okay. you take your turn and you are, you're in the zone, you deliver your lines, you kind of throw in your RP and everything and you finish your turn using inflection. You don't actually say that's my turn or anything like that. You just you do like Adam just did where, you know, I get in a ready stance and get ready for the next assault. Unspoken period. If you hear more than three seconds of dead air, throw in that's my turn. Use All right, that might be use good that they're for little you. bit of silence to go, OK, maybe maybe someone's not. 100% clear that I'm finished. I'm done. If you hear mm-hmm. that silence, throw that out there. Mm-hmm. That's that's a cue that anyone can look for. If you hear silence and it was your turn and you're done, use that silence as the cue to say something. I think that's fair. So I think I think that's Absolutely. something anyone can do. All right. Cool. Well, so that was uh yeah. What do we talk about tonight? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, no, we talked about, uh, pacing. We talked about our early sort of gamer sharing learning opportunities. That's right. right. Like mistakes to, to kind of iron out. Uh, we talked about, we really kind of talked a lot about politeness. Yeah. We did. And, and respecting each other's sort of fun and time. Mm-hmm. That's true. And we talked about minis. Yeah. We did talk <laughs> about minis and, uh, how, Andrew's elbow can uh, be the doom of them. Um, we also talked about the kinds of experiences that are actually achievable at your table and the kinds of games that you can have if you are able to kind of open up and trust the other people in your group and kind of dig a little bit deep. Um, I thought that was really terrific, too. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about bathos. That's that's right. We did. <laughs> so there's the word bathos. of the day. That's the word of the day. All right. Well, having said all that, we want to say a big thank you to our loyal patrons, Spike and Logan. Thank you guys for your ever stalwart support. We love you very much, and thank you very much for that. And if you would like to connect with us, you just head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. You can find more episodes. You can connect with us on social media. And there's also a link to our Patreon page. All of those links are in the upper right-hand corner. If you head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. Or if you are on a phone, they're just right at the very top. Um, so you can, like I said, hit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Patreon. Um, and until next time, pay attention, focus, know what you want to do, and have the best game you can that is paced as well as you can. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye.